Welcome to another inspirational message from Church on the Rock Pile. Thank you for listening. And if you would like more information, you can visit us at www.therockchurch.co.za. Hi everyone, I'm so glad you joined us today. And if you're ever in our region, don't hesitate to pop in. We'd love to make you feel right at home. Now, today I'm going to carry on looking at the book of James, and I pray that when we do this, when we look at a book or part of a book in the Word of God, that it will encourage you to go and do your own personal studies of God's Word. You know, getting the Word online isn't enough. If you only ate one meal a week, you would not survive. Not so? And it's the same spiritually. There are too many emaciated, I'm talking about skinny Christians. And the book of James was written approximately 12 years after the resurrection. And he was writing to scattered Jews who had become Christians and were under an incredible amount of pressure. You know, church leaders were being murdered, put in prison. There was a severe famine in the land. And there was a lot of pressure that the church was dealing with. Now, James is also the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. So when he writes, he writes with a pastor's heart. And he gives us really practical tips on how to live under pressure, how to live in extreme times, how to live when life isn't going your way. You know, practical steps that you and I can take. Are you ready for today's word? Trust you are, because if you are, say after me, my heart's open, my mind's ready, I won't be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Are there any puzzled people that are watching me today? You like to do puzzles. I don't really enjoy them. I like puzzles that have maybe a maximum of like 20 pieces, you know. I'm an efficiency person and I like to save time. 20 pieces and I can knock that puzzle out. I'm happy to do that. Now, how many of you know that with a puzzle, the more pieces you get in a box, the smaller the pieces get. So you can have a 20-piece box or you have a 4,000-piece box and there's a vast difference you know we had lockdown and we had two young people staying with us dylan and amy and dylan amy and jan tackled a four thousand and a three thousand piece puzzle and i never contributed much you know i'd pop in and be bored after like five pieces you know but in those large size puzzles pieces are very very small when you have a puzzle piece of five, then of course they're huge. And you can see half the picture inside the piece, you know. But when you get to a hundred or, or you get to like four thousand, it gets like this. It's really, really small. And so when you get a four thousand piece, you open the box, you take the box. What do you do first of all? You take them and you dump them out onto the table. Then what do you do? You look for the edges. All the edges uh, and you collect them, you put the corners in, and then you start filling in the middle. But what do you do as you are doing that? Think about it. You have to make sure that you have something. You have to make sure that you have the box lid. You've got to have the box lid with the picture up in front of you. Because when you are doing a 4,000 piece, this little piece over here doesn't make much sense. I don't know where it fits into the bigger picture. Of life. I don't know how it fits in. And, and if I've got the picture, I know it goes somewhere. You know, oh well, this color, uh, I think it goes somewhere over here. So you have a quadrant that you can work in with me. 
And what James is going to show us today is that sometimes this puzzle piece doesn't make sense. But if you will live life looking at the bigger picture, then this will not only make sense, but this, this little puzzle piece can turn into something of extreme value. Because sometimes this piece represents pain. And if I don't know the bigger picture, then God, I don't understand this little piece. And sometimes this represents joy. And sometimes this represents, oh, come again, what's going on in my life? And sometimes this represents feeling like everything is just coming my way, praise God. And sometimes it represents feeling that everything is not moving my way. And it is hard to understand if we don't understand that it's fitting into a bigger picture. And so James chapter 5 verse 8 anchors us in what James wants us to understand. And then we're going to go back and look at chapter 4. And it says in James 5, 8, you too, you too, that's all of you watching me right now, you too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. All of you watching me say that. The Lord's coming is where? The Lord's coming is near. This is what James is telling us. If you live your life just for the here and now, you're going to miss it. But if you live your life with an eternal perspective that there's a bigger picture going on, then earth will make sense. C.S. Lewis said it this way. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. In other words, if you aim at heaven, the earth begins to make sense. But if all you do is aim at earth, you know, you're here and just living for today, then you'll miss both of them. Let me say it another way. If earth is all there is to your existence, then this is the best it will ever get. Sickness is the best it will ever get. Racism is the best it will ever get. Lack is the best it ever gets. You know, poverty is the best it ever gets. Divorce is the best it ever gets. If earth is all you are living for, what you can get for yourself, then this is the best that it will ever get. The car you drive is the best it ever gets. But if you are living for heaven, then heaven is the best that it will ever get. Earth is just a moment. Earth is temporary. Earth is just here for a little while. But heaven is eternal. There's more to this life than this life. And James is showing us that God is coming back. The Lord is returning. This isn't what it's all about. This isn't the end of the story. This isn't the last chapter of your life. You know, there is a long, 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 long time ahead of us. And if you will live now through the lens of then, then now will make a lot more sense. And so in chapter four, he gives us four things, if we remember them, that will help us live with an eternal perspective. But you have to know that everything around us is pulling us to live for the here and now. Everything is pulling us to focus on ourselves. Everything is pulling us to make plans for the here and now. And I'm not saying that plans are bad. You must plan. Don't go through life aimlessly. Oh, what's going on? No, you should prepare your life. But I'm just saying that you shouldn't live through the lens of, oh, it's all about me, all about my, it's all about my now. You shouldn't live your life through the lens of what can I get? What can I keep? What can I make? That's not bad. But if that's your whole story, you are missing the bigger picture. 
So four things that James tells us in chapter four, that I believe will help keep us with an eternal perspective. So number one, wherever you're sitting, write them down. Go get a pen, do something. You're not going to remember them. So write it down. Number one, our time is short. Listen to what he says in James 4.13. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this and that city. Spend the year there, carry on business and make money. In other words, we're making all these plans. You know, this holiday, well, we're going to do this business. We're going to close that contract. We're going to buy this appliance. He's saying, verse 4, why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. And then he asks this question. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. He's saying the eternity of your life is like the mist that comes out of a spray bottle. Aren't you glad you're listening to me today? Your entire existence is summed up in a mist that dries in the air. Then he goes on. Listen to me. I want to just say this. How many remember when you were younger? Time felt like forever. Your parents would say, this Christmas holiday, we are going to the beach. And it's July. And you would say, this is taking forever. Then it was two weeks to the holidays, you know. And when you were small, that was an eternity. Are you with me? And then as you got older, it's like two weeks. Where did that go? Let's be honest. Now it's, where did the year go? And as we grow older, everything seems to accelerate and move so fast. You waited forever to graduate. You waited forever to finish college. Then you waited forever to have a kid. And then it's like, oh, wow, they're now 18. Where did all the years go? And what James is saying is that our lives, your life, is like this. In light of eternity, it just goes, snap. Gone. It's a vapor. He's trying to get us to understand that our time is short. So make the most of it. You are not promised tomorrow. You are not promised the next day. Your life is but a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. And I'm not trying to rain on your parade or bring you down today in any way. But you need to know, you don't know what is going to happen tomorrow. So live today in light of the bigger picture, the bigger picture, that my time is short. I need to live life in light of eternity. It might help if I say it this way. How would you live life and what choices would you make if you knew I only had 30 days to live and then I'll meet him face to face? If you knew for certain that you had 30 days to live, how would it change the way that you live? How would it change the way you interact with people? If you only had 30 days to live, maybe what gets you all bent out of shape wouldn't do that. If you only had 30 days to live, would you maybe offer the forgiveness that you've been withholding? If you only had 30 days to live, maybe you would hug your family a little more tighter, forgive a little more quickly. Give a little bit more generously. Would you maybe express love to those that need to feel your love? Or maybe share the gospel with someone who needs to know that God loves them, that Jesus loves them. Maybe you'd be quick to serve. I don't know. Maybe you would, 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 would be in a place where the things that seem like such a big deal now would not be such a big deal anymore. If you would live in the light of eternity, that time is short. And so 
We should do now what really matters. James says your life is a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. So don't get so tied up to this earth that is around us. Get tied to heaven stuff. Do what really, really matters. Number two, if you're with me, wherever you're sitting, say, Amen, Mark. We got you. Number two, our pursuit is God's purpose. Our pursuit is God's purpose. If our time is short and I'm trying to keep my eye on eternity, then my pursuit has got to be God's purpose. Listen to what James says in James 4.15. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. Listen to the phrase that I said. He says, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this and that. James is saying basically, it's up to God whether I live or breathe. And so the pursuit of my life is going to be the purpose of God in my life. And he says, if it's the Lord's will. He's not saying you shouldn't plan because elsewhere in scripture says you should. Proverbs 69 says, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. What you should say is, if it's the Lord's will, my life is submitted to the will of God. And it's okay to have a plan. But at the end of the day, I'm living for a bigger picture. I'm living in light of eternity. So I'm going to go where God wants me to go. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to say what God wants me to say. I don't have much time on this earth. My time is limited. My time is short. My life is but a vapor. So I'm going to spend my life investing my life. I'm going to spend my energy living for the purposes of God in my life. Why? Because I want my life to matter at the end of my life. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3.12, the things that I do for me, whatever they are, you know, when they are tested in fire, they will burn. And, and they'll become nothing more than hay and stubble. But the things I do for God will come through purified as gold. I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to the end of my life and just be left with ashes because it was all just about me. When I get to the end of my life, I want gold that is purified because it was for the glory of God. I want to have lived in the light of eternity. Still with me? You know, I remember when I was young, the older Christians always used to use the phrase, we don't hear it much today, I'm going to do X, Y, Z, the Lord willing, the Lord willing. And I now know what they were saying. I've got some thoughts about what I'm going to do. But a long time ago, I submitted and surrendered my life to the purposes of God. And I may have a plan, but God has a purpose. And if those come into conflict, the purpose of God will win out every time. I'm living for a bigger, bigger picture. Number three, our blessings are meant to bless. Did you hear me? Our blessings are meant to bless. Blessings that we receive are meant to be a blessing. Listen to what James says. And he's really strong in the language that he uses here. Now remember, I love you. And these aren't my words. This is the Bible. These are Bible words. And James in 5.1 says this. 
Now listen, you rich people. Many of you watching me right now, you've just excluded yourself. Well, I'm not the rich people. Well, if you're watching me right now on a device, then you are in the top 3% of the world. So all of you people are rich. Do you know how you know you're rich? Because you build houses for your cars to stay in at night. They're called garages. I'll tell you another indicator if you're still confused. You will know you're rich if you open your cupboard and look at the array of clothes that are in front of you and say, I have nothing to wear. Rich people say, can I have a cappuccino? Can I have a flat white? You know, and then they're prepared to pay for it. So let's go back to our text right now, James 5.1. Now listen, you rich people. Now that we've determined who you are, weep and well because of the misery that is coming on you. Welcome to Online Church. <laughs> Stay tuned in. I'm going to give you some context now. Now, Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay, the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvest have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who has not opposed you. Wow, Mark, that's like really heavy. I thought today would be a good day to ask my friend to sit with me when I play one line. But, well, stay with me. Here's what James is saying. He's saying that God says to you, I've blessed you. I've blessed you with more than you need. Evidently, you had enough for self-indulgent and you kept it all just for you. Not only that, but you were actually crooked in your business dealings because people worked for you and you didn't pay them the wages that they were due. You lived, but your time on earth was all about you. You lived for you. It's all about the here and now. And if earth is all about you, then you'll have a hard time living a generous life because it's all about earth. What I can get, what I can keep, and what I can hoard, you know, what I can make and what I can afford, what I can buy. You will never live open-handed. You will never live believing that I've been blessed to be a blessing because it's all about the earth, the here, the now, and you. It's all not about heaven. But when it is, and if it is about heaven, then my priority is not storing treasures here. Listen to me. I'm not saying don't prepare. I'm not saying don't save. You should save. You should have an emergency fund. You should be putting away for retirement. You should be living as wise stewards. But what I'm saying is it's not all about that. Live open-handed. Being blessed to be a blessing. You know, I've been given so that I can give, not that I can self-indulge. It's not to see how little I can give somebody, you know. No, I'm going to live generously. I'm going to live big-hearted, big-minded, big-spirited, open-handed. I've been blessed to be a blessing. I live so others may live. A final thought is this. Number four. Number four, James tells us this, that our lives here are temporary. It's temporary. In light of eternity, our what? 70, 80 
maybe 90 years, however many years God gives us, our time is temporary. James carries on in James 5, 7, says this, be patient then brothers and sisters. This is where we started. You'll see that in a second. Until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield his valuable crops, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You to be patient and stand firm. Why? Because the Lord's coming is what? The Lord's coming is what? The Lord's coming is near. It's near. There's the big picture. The big picture that we started with from our small little picture. And the big picture, it's called eternity. And he's saying, so stand firm and live in light of that. Because pressures are coming, hard times are coming, mountaintops are coming, and valleys are coming. And the middle of all that, live for a bigger picture. Paul said in Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. In other words, what he's saying, you've asked Jesus to come into your life. Set your hearts on things, what? Everybody said, set your heart on things, what? You're listening to me right now, said, above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your heart on heaven. Don't set your heart on this earth. Don't set your heart on that house, that car. No, don't set your heart on those things because they will fail you every time. One day the house will burn down. The car will quit running. One day all that will matter is what did I do with Jesus? Because I set my heart on things above. And if I would do that, the divorce, that didn't make sense. Why did I have to go through that? What was going on in my life? And that retrenchment, that didn't make sense. Why did I have to go through that? And, and when my kid lost his way, I, I, I don't know what was going on. It didn't make any sense. I didn't understand that little puzzle piece. And then I got the opportunity to do things, you know. And I didn't understand why God blessed me in the way that he blessed me. But... When I see the bigger picture, when I comprehend the bigger picture, then I'll go. Now it all makes sense. It was all about him. It was all about his glory. It was all about my life being poured out for the glory of God and for the good of those around me. I live my life in the light of eternity. And so if this earth is what it's all about, then live it up. Because it's as good as it could ever get. Because the alternative is horrible. If earth is all you are living for, then live life to the max. Do it right because eternity for you will be painful and horrible. But if heaven is what you are living for, then Paul says these light and momentary sufferings, that's what he calls them. What sufferings are you talking about, Paul? Being beaten? Being shipwrecked? being bitten by a snake, being imprisoned, being stoned half to death, these light and momentary trials. Why could Paul call them light and momentary? Because he wasn't living for this earth. It wasn't his home. He said it will be far outweighed, far outweighed by the glory that is coming. What is he talking about? He's saying, it won't matter to me in that moment when I stand before Jesus. What Paul was saying, I'm not living for the here and now. I'm living for a bigger picture. So church, verse 2 says, set your minds on things above, above, not on earthly things. And live for a bigger 
picture. You were born to make a difference. You were born to make a difference that lasts forever, that lasts for eternity. This life is not all there is to this life. Have you received the word today? I pray so. Let's pray. Let's pray together right now. For some of you, you might be concerned that you're not ready for the day that you stand before God. And I want you to be ready. My heart is for you to be ready. I want you to know it's not about how good you've been or how well you behave or how many religious boxes you've been able to, to, to tick in your life. No, none of that will make you ready for that day. It's what you do with Jesus. At the end of the day, it's about one question that I believe that God will ask you. What did you do with my son, Jesus? Did you trust him? Did you trust in him alone for forgiveness of sins? Not your best efforts, not your best works. Did you trust his finished work on the cross? You've got to understand that the Bible says we've all sinned and we've all come short. That's all of us, me included, every one of us. You know, we're all in the same boat. And it says the wages of that sin is death. That means eternal separation from God. That means that this earth is as good as it will ever, ever get. But it says the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life. And it's found only in Jesus. Because goes on to say, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. In other words, he's in control of everything in your life. You've stopped doing life your way and you're going to do it his way. If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that's just talking about the resurrection. That's what we celebrate at Easter, that he's alive. Then you will be saved. That's not my promise. That's God's promise to you. And so if that is you, if you say, Mark, it's me. I want to know that I've placed my faith in Jesus. I need a new start. Then I want you to pray this simple prayer with me right now. We're going to pray it together. So as I said, you repeat it after me and just pray it from your heart. And it goes like this. Jesus, I need you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I believe you died for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. And today, I make you my Lord and Savior. Thank you for a brand new beginning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, I'm celebrating with you. If you've just made that decision, if you're still online, celebrate with those who have made that incredible decision. They say, I'm living for a bigger picture and I'm trusting every one of you watching me is living for that bigger picture. And so until we meet again, share hope, show kindness, and let's shine Jesus.